I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> so the first one is, I had this pretty big callback for Gallivant, the musical. And I had just bought my new little Fiat and just driven it down to LA because I'd come back from Canada because I was filming and drove onto the lot, super happy in my cute little car. My hair's all done. I'm like, <laughs> perfect looking. So there's no parking in the parking garage on the lot. I'm circling everywhere. I'm getting late. And then I find the last spot and it's this tiny little spot next to two huge cement columns oh, i'm like no. i got this this car is fine like it's so small i'm not an issue and i again bought this car like five days before this so <laughs> i pull in and i hear this i'm like oh no Hello world and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. If you're not following the show on social media, make sure to check out those links in our show notes. You can also subscribe to our Patreon and see these conversations in full video, like the whole thing. Or you can just go over to TikTok and check out little clips as well. Uh, there's a lot of options, you know, all the all the social things these days, all of the videos, all of the content, 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 content. I have been a very busy little bee um, working on a lot of different things over here. I 
am very excited about this year. There's a lot of projects that are finally coming to fruition and it's exciting and I can't really talk about any of it yet, but what we can talk about is today's episode. Today I have Haley Sales. You may remember her from Cedar Cove with Andy McDowell. She was also in the film Corrective Measures opposite Bruce Willis, which is on Tubi. Uh, she's in the brand new show Lucky Hank with Bob Odenkirk on AMC, and we also talk about her brand new album Till the End. We had a great time talking, so here's my conversation with Haley. And welcome to the show, Haley! <laughs> My thank you. It's good to be here virtually. Yes, virtually <laughs> here. I know. One day I feel like maybe mm-hmm. I'll do it in person, but I don't know. Then you have to drive this is somewhere. This pretty convenient. Yeah. I know. I'm like, well, I'm on my bed right now. Exactly. Like <laughs> I'm I wearing Lululemon pants. pants. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't brush my hair. Yeah. Life's good. Yeah. I mean, there is that. Plus, it's like, you know, you can be in different states or different countries if you do it virtually, it's which true. is way better. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> one one perk one of little... the weird last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> one perk. Um... The one perk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on today. We have so much to talk about. But uh, the first thing I always love to ask people is uh, what made them want to become an actor? Oh, I... <laughs> I had such a crazy imagination as a little kid that my favorite thing to do was run around in the backyard in DC and just, I, I would genuinely believe I was a princess or the prince, sometimes both. It was like, I was so in the worlds that I would create yeah. that once I realized I could do theater and sing and people would watch me because I also love to be in the center of attention. It was like the worlds collided and from a very, I mean, I think, I think I was around five when I demanded my mom take me to an audition for the Nutcracker. So (laughs) it started pretty early. It was a very, it's been a lifelong love affair. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I totally remember when I was a kid, like my best friend and I pretending Mm -hmm. to be like Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable and like running around Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, we're going to be these characters now. Oh yeah, totally. I was I was in Titanic. I was I love Lucy. Like I just it was so fun. I remember at one point being a little bit of a bossy kid, telling my friends, "Well, if you don't want to make believe with me anymore, then we're not friends." (laughs) They're like done with you. Okay, yeah, you're not fun anymore. (laughs) Wow. So did you end up doing theater and stuff as a child then? Yeah, I got very into theater. That was my 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 main love as a as a kid through high school. Got to go to art school. I was very lucky in that way. Musical, Shakespeare, mm. just loved it. Like, theater's so fun. I haven't done it in years. I love it so much. You gotta get back on the stage. It's always a good place to <sighs> I know. Like, reignite everything is back on the stage. Exactly. Yeah. So what was your transition into the industry then? Did you go to college? Did you, how did you find your footing? Well, I, I actually had a decent amount of success pretty young that didn't happen. Like it's, it's kind of like it was missed connections and all these mm-hmm. sorts of things that happened. And um, so I, I wound up moving to LA at 16 mm. and was getting some traction and things were starting to go in my favor. Unfortunately, being incredibly insecure about my body, I developed an eating disorder Mm. and had to leave 
because I lost my ability to talk. Like the acid reflux was so bad. Oh my God. Learn my lesson. Don't do that. Bad idea. Um, but that kind of set me back. And then I got very into music because that was something where I had a recording studio and I could start writing songs and producing. And that's how I segued into music and then got a record deal. And mm-hmm. I put acting aside entirely for a while because that was at that point with the labels, they thought they were two separate things. <laughs> now it's like, you do everything. Now it's awesome. like, please do it all. If you don't do it please all, do blacklisted. It. If, if you don't, bye. Um, oops. Jeez. But uh, that's that's kind of the long story short of it. it. I started at a very young age. I got back into film by contacting the agent I was working with at 16. And wow. she picked me back up again. And it was it's taking time. But it, yeah, that's just a lot of lot of determination yeah. and not giving up when there's a ton of no's. Yeah. I love that you were able to um, recognize that what was happening wasn't healthy and that you needed to take that step back. Yeah. It was, it was actually kind of demanded of me. Like yeah. when you can't talk, yeah. I remember going, like, what do you do? And being a singer and an actor is just, it was, I needed to go home. I was too young in some ways. I was living by myself in LA and mm. so determined and, you know, focused and would do anything in my mind to make it mm-hmm. that uh, made a few poor decisions on the health front. And hey, I learned it at a young age when my body could bounce back. And yeah. now I can hopefully encourage other people to not do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do what I did. It was a bad call. It didn't help the career, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, but it is something that I feel like a lot of um, a lot of artists and I mean, everyone goes through. But I think uh, in this industry, Mm -hmm. it's very easy for you to get lost in it, um, especially when there's people of power constantly demanding that. I mean, I I've heard stories from friends and I've experienced similar things where it's like people being like, well, you need to work out more. Well, you need to lose 20 pounds. You need to do this. And it's like (laughs) none of that is going to get me the role that I want. No, it's something that took me a very long time to realize, but it's the best thing you could ever do is be as you as possible because mm-hmm. truly you'll you'll never get the part of the person you aren't. And um it it doesn't mean you're not fantastic and brilliant or beautiful or perfect for what you're what your what your life's calling you to do. Um I just learned it a very I learned it the long way because yeah. I was so insecure and, you know, that's okay though. <laughs> Finally, I've realized you know the best thing to do is just own yourself for all the all the good, all the bad. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. found your love of music going through all of that. I mean, you already had your mm-hmm. love of music, but you're able to reconnect yeah. to it, having yeah. been through this emotional experience. Yeah, you know what? Every single thing that's been terrible in my life has wound up being incredible in the end. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I it's always kind of been for the best uh so I at that point yeah it was perfect for me to pivot back to music because in so many ways that's like it's my happy place like it because you get to write your you get to express your own um words and your own feelings and kind of create the own your own world with your with your music so yeah I I wouldn't change anything to be honest because I got really into the songwriting and really determined to make a record. And then that led, opened all these other doors and they were the doors to walk through. Mm. So you make a record, you put it out there. And then how <laughs> do you, 
How do you then kind of transition into like, you know, now I need to launch a music career? How did you go about that? Well, you know, I, I, once I finished the demo album, or I was calling it an album at that point, I tried to figure out how to start doing shows and was in a very supportive area. Like I was in, my parents had moved up to British Columbia and Mm. Canadians just love the arts and they're so, (laughs) they'll rally. I just love it so much. So I started, I'd go around the high schools and hand out flyers and I started putting on my own shows around BC and the Northwest and uh it just so happens that one of at one of those shows the the best friend of the head of Universal Music Canada saw me and I'm not gonna lie I had it so easy the first time it was just like boom wow come to Toronto we're signing you you get to produce your own record go it was I had no idea how lucky I was because I was so young. I was a baby. Uh, so I I have to be honest, it was really easy at first. Yeah. Um, and then it got hard. <laughs> then all the everything started falling apart. But uh, yeah, I, I just really was determined to do shows and record music. And that's kind of how I took the step to get a label that would help me. Mm. And how, I mean, how was that experience going from, so you said it, it was easy at the beginning and then it got hard. Oh, so yeah. how was it to like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so difficult in this industry to maintain your, your yeah. mental health with all of the ups and downs. So what helped you through oh, yeah. all of it? Oh my God. So I, I finished a third record with Universal US and <laughs> then the president left the company and they never released that record Mm. and I couldn't buy it back. Mm. So it was about five years of my life recording all these songs that I couldn't release. And I was shattered. I mean, I, I, I really can't put into words how, how traumatizing that was. And it's (laughs) my ears don't want to keep my headphones in today. (laughs) Uh, And I know I'm not the only person. Unfortunately it's happened a lot with Mm -hmm. labels and, you lose your guy or your woman and you're lost in this very big graveyard of music that doesn't get released. Uh, it, it broke me to be fully transparent. And I, it took me a while to climb out of being the victim of my life. You know, mm. you know, I was, I wallowed in it a long time and finally realized, well, okay, so I can keep going like this and just, be miserable eating potato chips on my bed, sobbing all day, thinking life's terrible, or I can try and adjust this. And the only thing I could find, and this was really hard for me being an A-type person, was guided meditations. Mm. Like actually Tony Robbins really helped me get myself back on track. And I started to realize, okay, I have to be grateful and comfortable with the dreaming of it. And just Uh, truly like, for now, because it's not real, I have to find a way to be grateful for what I do have, dream about what I want, but also let it go. So that I, I'd say I, I only started doing that about four years ago, but it really changed things. Like going from just rock bottom to finally starting to want to breathe again. <laughs> and now we just finished another album and it's, I'm so excited. Yeah, tell so, me about road, the new but... album till the end, right? I'm so excited. Yes. So excited. Uh it's finally having the courage to do 
my music, the way I like music, you know, it's, I grew up in love with Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra and Billie Holiday and Nina Simone and all, all of those phenomenal artists from that era. And uh, somehow determined that wasn't the right move for me to make. And I, mm. I kind of condensed myself into a very sunny, happy musician. And uh, so this is the first album where I'm like, nope, here I am. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's very romantic and uh, a lot of a lot of nods to a bygone era, but modern. And I got to produce the whole thing and write it. I mean, got to. Maybe I didn't get to. I had to because I had no alternative. <laughs> I, I was forced to really dig in and do it all myself with mm. some incredible people that were still willing to support me at rock bottom. And yeah, I'm I'm so. I'm so grateful I hit rock bottom because I was able to make this album. I feel like that. that's a, a big theme in, in the music industry too, is like you get these mm -hmm. big losses and then you're finally able to become the artist that you want to become and the artist that yeah. you are. It's so true. Like you have nothing left to lose. I right. remember thinking, okay, well, I might be an idiot and there may not be anyone that ever listens to this, but... I have to, I haven't made the album yet that if I only had one album to make, I'd be satisfied saying I did it. I tried everything and I, and I did it on this one. So it, yeah, it, it took losing everything though. Well, thanks. It's, it's fun. It's, it's just, uh, it's an adventure. <laughs> it's terrifying, <laughs> but it's an adventure. Do you have a release date for it planned? Not yet, no, but we're we're still in the, I know, I'm sorry. We're still <laughs> assembling everything. And uh, we, we're just, we did one music video in Paris, which was oh, incredible. Wow. And uh, just about to do the next one tomorrow. Oh my gosh. And I'm doing a crash course in how to dance. <laughs> and uh, that's, course that's, that's how fascinating. To dance. How's that going? <laughs> Actually really good. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the guy is so good and the choreographer is so good that they just, they, they work with what you can do. And I, I took <laughs> dance, but not for a year. I, it's, was, it's been so long that it's so fun though. Like when you have a really good dance partner, they can like twirl you in the air. You're like, Oh my God, I feel so light. <laughs> and then we go back to Titanic <laughs> as a child and you say, I'm Except, flying right? Jack. I know you're like, I'm flying Jack or dirty dancing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's like you get to live out those little, those little childhood fantasies. <laughs> I love that. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And back to the show. You've obviously been through the ups and downs of the industry. Um, so what made yeah. you want to decide to get back into the acting side of it? Well, I'd always missed it. I, yeah. I think to me, music and acting, I don't see them as different. They're just different w- means or mediums for, for express expression. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember sitting there one day and going, this is, this is dumb. I'm not doing something that makes me so happy. I'm going to, I got to figure out how to do it. So I, I moved to LA and uh, didn't book anything for years, <laughs> but I just kept going to class and kept doing every self tape and audition I could. And the, the timing worked out cause I was pretty jaded from music. So it was around the time that things started to fall apart with music that I rekindled my, my love with, with acting. And you've been able to do some awesome stuff. And recently you did a movie with Bruce Willis, which I mean. Oh, that, yeah, that was incredible. I was just literally speechless. (laughs) I had no idea how I booked that. I was like, oh my gosh, what? I mean, that must have been amazing, especially since um, it's one of the last projects that he'll be a part of. Oh, it um, breaks my heart. It's incredible that you were able to experience that while he was still... Yeah. fully available to He's give still totally to there. it was oh when I heard the news it just I just bawled I just, I just cried because he on set was one of the sweetest humans mm-hmm. I'd ever met like I felt like a daughter to him like he just he saw me we were about to do a scene I hadn't met him yet no one needed to introduce us he came up he's like hi I'm Bruce Aww. how are you I'm like I'm I'm, I'm Haley <laughs> good to meet you and he was just so sweet and like during our takes he'd he would stay between like you know when they cut and a lot of actors like bye and disappear he would just sit there and we just have conversations and he just tried to you could tell he was trying to just keep me present and calm and not get the jitters and Mm. we'd improv like I had such a good time it's it's heartbreaking to hear that he's not able to do what he loves like you could tell he just loved he just loves it and he's such a genius you I was mentioning this recently. There's some actors that make you a good actor just because yeah. they are so present and captivating. And uh, I, yeah, he's one of them for sure. I mean, everyone knows that, but I got to experience it and I feel so lucky. That's amazing. I mean, he sounds like a true actor's actor. It's, it is rare yeah, for the, exactly. the star to stay there in between takes and not leave to go I to know. the trailer. Sometimes they're not even there for your coverage. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I felt... Sometimes it is a body double. <laughs> it's, it's, it happens. It's, I mean, and no shade. I, it, it's okay. I get it. But he, he stayed the whole time mm. and was so sweet. Just like, oh. he'd be talking about what he did back home with his family. Like, he's just a really kind, kind man. Wow. I love hearing that. And it's not yeah. the only amazing person you've worked with. You worked on Cedar Cove with Andy McDowell. <gasps> Another sweetheart. Oh, I love her. I love so her. Much. 
she is just as amazing in person as you would imagine. Like she, she's another one of the greats. Like I, I love her. Like we're, we're still in touch and she was, she was such a sweet woman on set. And it was actually my first, my first scene back on film and television was with her after a 10 year hiatus. Wow. And I was like the sound guy could hear my heart through the little, oh. <laughs> little mic and came up and I was like clearly trying to talk to the director without me getting more freaked out or anything. And then talk to Andy and she just, we took a moment and just started talking and she's, she was just, again, and kind of in the same way Bruce did like really, really gentle, a wonderful human that managed to put me at ease and uh mm. and a great actor i just she's love fantastic. i mean i just love her she, she doesn't change when the cameras roll you know yeah. she's just she's herself i think that's what makes her one of the one of the more more interesting people to watch is that you can tell that it's really her shining through like you can see like yeah. this like fully i don't fully present and just intensely kind person and it's crazy to say that but like when you look at her she just exudes exudes this like kind she just exudes her yeah and it's genuine I mean Mm. I think it's pretty hard to hide your who you are on camera the camera just sees everything and and yet there's it requires such a surrender and vulnerability to truly let yourself be seen like by the eye of the camera and she does that and uh you're in the new show lucky hank with bob odenkirk yes on amc Uh, um tell me everything (laughs) i feel so lucky i've that i've forever wanted to be in a comedy like my i grew up on isle of lucy and just you know putting all the fake eggs and jackets and smashing (laughs) into my friends and putting pies on their faces like that was that was such a part of who I who I had always been that when I got the opportunity to do this, one, I was terrified because I'd never done comedy. But two, I was incredibly excited. And it was another instance that I showed up on set and the the first my first uh my first scene was with everybody, the whole cast. And you never know if that's going to be a good first day or a terrifying first day. Right. Every single person went out of their way to to introduce themselves to. I love being on the set of a comedy. Everybody's just cracking jokes the whole time. <laughs> I mean, in drama, I get it. You know, you have to take your space and get in your world. But everyone was so present and social, and uh, and Bob himself came and and was watching my first you know the first scene I'm a news reporter so it's actually the hardest thing I think to do is stare at the camera and talk yeah (laughs) I don't know what maybe it's just me but I'm really bad at it and so it was really nice to have him there and he was giving me you know some feedback he's like try this like think of this like you know he was just very he was really good at drawing out the best in everyone Mm. and uh that's amazing and a sweet guy like you know, he let me ride back in the car with him and, you know, Aww. we were talking about musicians and he did just really unpretentious and you, wa- it took everything in me to not die laughing. Like every <laughs> single set, cause I had to be pretty deadpan in a lot of my stuff. And he's over there just, you know, talking to a goose. Like it was really, <laughs> really hard to keep myself together. 
<laughs> talking oh, to gosh. a goose. And then, yeah, oh, just wait. I can't tell you anymore, but just just wait. And then, like, Dietrich Batter was so, so great. And they'd always leave the cameras rolling after, you know, the the set scene was done. And he just would pull some gems out of the comic like muse land i don't know where he got his his lines but they were all i could do is just try and keep going with them and like keep following his his crazy amazing train yeah while being like this isn't funny at all but meanwhile i'm being entertained (laughs) on camera by you love that awesome So so happy to be a part of that it was just incredible one of the things I've been asking lately is, um, you know, we all mm-hmm. have our own way of breaking down a scene, especially before auditions. What yeah. do you have any like specific things that you like to do journaling, anything that helps you get into the mind of the character before putting it on tape or going into a room? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up studying Meisner. And so hey, one of too. the first things that... Oh. Oh, awesome. One of the first things I like to do is get the words out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I I find that I work best without saying them because I'll get ideas of like, you know, you watch this the conversation in your head and you're like, this is how it happens. So I try to avoid those those tendencies by typing. So I'll type out the whole conversation until it's just in my mind. And then, yeah, I'll start to daydream and I'll ask myself a lot of what ifs. Um, one of my favorite things to do is dream about what would be the best outcome and what would, what am I most terrified the outcome is going to be of each conversation. And then before the cameras start rolling with my reader, we'll do Meisner repetition, you know, just to like, I find I get so self-conscious and critical if I'm not entirely focused on the person in front of me. So I find that those little you know, you're wearing a blue shirt, you're wearing a blue shirt, like that, as silly as it sounds, just to get out of your own head, and to truly be focusing on the person in front of you. Those are just a couple of my tricks. I try to not do many takes. Sometimes I get sucked into that. But I also, I try to just trust that (laughs) I try not to over, I try not to perfect things because I, 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 I don't know. It, and it happens that I always book the things I think I did a terrible job on anyway. So, you know, may as well just yeah commit and dream and try to get out of your own way. <laughs> well, speaking of auditions, we love sharing bad audition stories or the ones that got away oh on the show. Um, are there any that you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, oh, well, I could keep you here for uh, the next week, but I'll save you that time. I've got two. The first is a standard, like, straight-up audition story gone wrong. Okay. Uh, the second is a little more, like, esoteric, but still terrible. <laughs> so the first one is I had this pretty big callback for Gallivant, the musical. And I had just bought my new little Fiat and just driven it down to L.A. because I had come back from Canada because I was filming. And drove onto the lot super happy in my cute little car my hair's all done I'm like perfect looking so there's no parking in the parking garage on the lot I'm circling everywhere I'm getting late and then I find the last spot and it's this tiny little spot next to two huge cement columns I'm like I got this this car is fine like it's so small I'm not an issue and I again bought this car like 
five days before this. So I pull in and I hear this. I'm like, oh, no. I get out. My entire one, not a great ad for Fiat, but my entire car has concaved in on the passenger side. I was going maybe two miles an hour. I'm not kidding you. I was, oh, it just, I lost it, clearly. Like, I was so upset. Just pulled my car in, like, let the damage happen. Went in, saw, like, just uncontrollably sobbing. My mascara is just clumping all over my face. And uh, went in. And um, they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I just crashed my car into a column. <laughs> I couldn't get my, I couldn't get myself together. Like I kind of did, but I did not get that one. So that's a great wow. oops moment. Yep. Yeah, um, that's an The oop. other one was, that was a, oh, they've happened to all of us. Again, so many of those. And then the other one was actually, I was going to meet a friend at TIFF. And she's an Aussie and she's like, just, just like there's this Aussie party. And she's like, just, you know, use your Aussie accent. Like, okay, not a good one, but I got (laughs) in, they let me in. And I wound up talking to Tom Hooper, the director of Les Mis and like King's speech. I had no idea who this guy was. Oh my God. Like, and this was before the King's speech came out. So he kind of knew that no one would know. He's like, well, have you seen X, Y, Z? I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, you haven't. Your mom and dad have, you know, he was such a sweet guy talking a lot. And he was, you know, we just got in a great conversation for quite a while. He was like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I was saying an act. He's like, I have a project coming up. You'd be perfect for it. I, I'd love, I'd love to talk with you about it. Maybe um, let's, let's exchange contacts and you can send me your music and, and, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to see you for it. Mm. Got his information on my phone was a little tipsy and did not give it to him and then my phone died and I lost all my contacts that night and I have not managed to reach him since it was one of those like oh no like I and I didn't realize how bad it was at the time again it's only like I only realized how bad it was after I realized what project he was talking about. <laughs> oh, my, I'm, we're going to be tagging Tom Hooper in this uh, podcast. And we're gonna be like, I know, Tom, right? Tom, He'll do you remember? Like, Tiff. Oh, that, I just like that brunette girl <laughs> at Aussie party. That's yeah. It was, I mean, oh dear. That was not a fun one. <laughs> I would have died. I would have died. Yep. That's yeah. I, awful. I kind of, I had a I had a moment where I died there when I realized that he directed Les Mis. I'm like, no, that didn't happen. I'm gonna just pretend that didn't. You know what? I didn't even go to the party. I don't know what you're talking about. I I didn't. I I don't know. I wasn't even in Toronto. This didn't happen. (laughs) Tom what? Tom what? Huh? Huh? Who's that? Say huh? (laughs) No clue. Oh my god. (gasps) Yeah, that was pretty bad. That's that's sad. Yeah. Uh, So Tom Hooper, I'm still here. Hello, Tom. Tom, anywhere? <laughs> so, yeah, pretty good. Oh, wow. Well, it has been yeah. um, a pleasure talking to you. What else are you working oh, you on that well. you want to, you know, plug before we go? I saw that you've been directing and writing and producing. Oh, boy. Ton of fun stuff. I, You know, honestly, the album is my main thing right now. Yeah. And 
so keep your eye out for the music as we start to drop the singles and i'm just going to go and try and uh figure out how to dance tomorrow on set and we'll be great <laughs> yes speaking of how can people follow you to keep up with the album pretty much anywhere Haley fails h-a-y-l-e-y well h-a-y-l-e-y fails you can find me pretty easily if you, if you look that up perfect well it's been so fun and i hope you have a great weekend and i'm so excited oh, to listen to too. the new album oh thanks love it's great to talk to you Thanks again to Haley for coming on the show. Make sure to check out Lucky Hank on AMC and uh, follow her on Instagram and all the socials so that you can stay up to date with her new album till the end. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, y'all. And until next time, thanks for coming in. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.